This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. I'm John McElroy. This is AutoLine This Week. And today the topic is all about Toyota. That's because my special guest for today is Jack Hollis. He's the Senior Vice President of Automotive Operations at Toyota Motor America. And Jack, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, it's good to be with you. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Great. Also joining us today are Omari Gardner from Automotive News. Hey, great to be here. And, and Brian Armstead of AutoSense and Road Gear. Hello, Brian and Greetings. Omari. Greetings. Good to be here. Jack, let's get into it. There's a lot of talk about it in the industry and Toyota in particular. Sales for Toyota have really been firming up in the, the last couple of months. As we tape the show, I look back on October. You had a very solid month, but Toyota's still down some 16% or something like that for the year. What's your outlook? How are things going now? And what do you think is going to happen in 2021? <laughs> well, there's a, a, but, a bunch there. Let me just say, Hey, it's good to be with you again. And, and Brian and Omari, good to be with you. And I would say, tell you that um, as I sit here today, you know, we're kind of in these first 10 days of November, and I, I feel like the momentum just keeps building. And that's that's both at Toyota and in the industry. Um, I'm pretty impressed, to be honest with you, because when you talk about where we are year to date, you know, you go back, uh, we, we use March 12th as the date that kind of everything changed. And when we look at it, you look at how deep everything kind of cratered. And then the plans we put together to kind of come back, um, I got to tell you, there's no way, I'm, I'm just square, there's no way that I would think we would be as good as we are right now when we were looking at that time frame. So when I look at October, you know, we're having a, we had a record retail October month. I mean, a best ever October. We had a best ever October TCUV, the certified business. I mean, the entire, the entire unit of sales talks about the strength and yeah we're really excited because we're picking up market share and 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 that whole idea i think you're aware john we've had this conversation a couple times for us our intention is always to be the number one retail manufacturer to, to for the customer one by one to see us expand that or grow that market share under this timing i couldn't be more proud i, I really couldn't um to have the best dealers in the in the world and to see them prosper, to see them actually having record sales and record profit in the middle of a pandemic. So that's where I kind of get like, you know, this is lame, but it's great. And I think there's an element there that we have to realize that it's not just about surviving something, it's about using the survival to thrive. And that's where we're at. And, uh, and then ultimately, you mentioned uh, there, the John Dan, what do I look at? I see this fourth quarter, it continues to build. You look at the SAR, it continues to go over that 16 million and pushing us in accelerating, right? As we get into 2021, we don't see that slowing down. We don't necessarily see it accelerating. And there's a lot of those factors, right? Because of the fragileness of the supply chain and you have a lot of COVID in the, you know, whether you call this the second wave or the third wave and you still have election confusion, you have social justice issues that everyone's still working through. You put all this together in one big old pile. And there's no way that I'm going to try to tell you that's going to get a lot better. But I'm also going to tell you is we've already surpassed what everybody thought. And I think that stays through into uh, 2021. 
Yeah, um, boy, Toyota and the industry overall have proven to be remarkably resilient through this entire um, situation, um, especially after the initial shock, um, like you, I just couldn't envision <laughs> the comeback that's had so far. Um, but I guess one thing I'm wondering is, um, you know, you've had to learn some lessons really quickly and had to improvise. Um, are there any permanent changes once we get out of this COVID mess that you see going forward? Any major change that you had to make um, that better carry forward into the future? You know, there, I think there's quite a few, to be honest with you. And Omari, I think we're your, let, let me try to break it down into a couple of areas, because I think what we've done as a company is take this pandemic, you know, I've said this several times, and, I've, and I'm sorry if I repeated myself, but don't let trials and challenges go to waste. I mean, they're testing us. They're testing you. They're testing the system to be on a, uh, a virtual life. How do we make those changes? So for Toyota, we're trying to figure out what is it those things that we can toss away forever? What are the things that are really good that we're going to hold on to? And what are the things that we still need to accelerate to get better in? And I think that's where you're at. And I'll just hit, I'll hit a couple really quickly. One is I think the retail, and this is my, my most proud, is the retail experience for the guests is going to change forever. And we are going to accelerate that. At Toyota, we have a, that we've been working on and it just happened to be the exact right timing. Sometimes you're good, sometimes you're lucky, and sometimes you're both. Well, Toyota, we hit it both. We're good and lucky at the same time. And I'll tell you why. Our, our digital retailing system called SmartPath at Toyota, it's called Monogram. At Lexus, we're systems to, that were internal to us, taking our own built systems, to be able to have a customer go from A to Z. I mean, the entire soup to nuts to be able to go from shopping all the way through finance, all the way to delivery and in the back end, right? Service and how to take care of your vehicle. We had, at the beginning of this year, we had 11 pilot dealers, okay? Our goal was to get to 40 this year. With COVID, we've seen this huge increase in, I know it's small numbers, but 430% increase where we are now we have almost 200 dealers in our queue to be rolling this out, full digital retailing. So when you ask, do I see something changing? That's gonna change, but it has a lot more room to go. On the other hand, you look at some of the elements that you look at even supply chain and you look at some of the elements of production to shut down in the US for the first time for Toyota for nine weeks, for nine weeks to shut the plants. Starting that over was like starting a whole new company, right? Because the whole thing had to start over and we got to check every element of the Toyota production system throughout the US. Now, I don't ever wish that that comes back again. I promise you. But because of it, it's made us really, really dive into every single supplier, every partnership that we have, every production line, every person to really retrain and focus in on what's important and prioritize. And I got to tell you, I hate this pandemic but I do love the outcomes for our company in the industry. Jack, always good to see you. Your energy is infectious and <laughs> uh, just really kind of feeds uh, feed off of you a little bit. Uh, as you may know, I write treads for the National Association of Minority Auto Dealers each month. I work very closely with Damon Lester and uh, Chairman Fernando Varela. Have you had any specific outreach from NAMED as it relates to the state of minority dealerships, the African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic, and Native American dealers um, as, as the pandemic has, has kind of crushed the industry to a certain degree. 
Yeah, absolutely. Damon's a good friend, both to me and to our company. So reaching out, uh, being reached out to or reaching out to uh, happens. It's a two-way street with Damon. And I am, I'm going to tell you, I'm really proud of our work with our, so inside of Toyota and Lexus, we have our TLMODA, the Toyota Lexus uh, Minority Dealers Association. And it's an outstanding internal organization. We've reached out to them and they've reached out to us to make sure how are we, how are we working together as one, which is kind of the ethos of Toyota and our dealers anyways, but then through NAMAD to really find out how can we partner greater. Uh, we've continued to make commitments to, with, to and with NAMAD across all diversity to increase our representation side of our company. And we've reached our goals for 18 straight years with NAMAT and with their assistance. We continue. So now we're raising our bar and not just talking about bringing in more dealers, but the development inside. So we've created, and I don't have exactly a, a number with me. And maybe I can even, maybe I'll think of it as we go through. But we are now investing with those dealers to help develop their general managers to put them on a path for ownership. And that's been a direct relationship with NAMAT and a, and a, uh, actually a partnership to look at what, what are the best ways to do that and with who and where. And so, and I would also say that it's not just like you've said, the, there's the Hispanic American, African American, Asian American, Native American, but also our, our female representation. We really look at that as what we need to be looking at to be the broadest welcome uh, manufacturer there is. And I got to tell you, uh, I, I do, I, Maybe it's a little self-gratifying to our team, but I do want to let you know that during this time, we've continued to be the number one retail manufacturer in every one of those categories. And I think what's important is what NAMAD continues to say is it's not just about bringing dealers in to our family, right, My, the minority dealers, but to make them successful. And I think we need to remember that because I think NAMAD has done a great job of saying, hey, listen, it's not just about numbers. It's about success. Right of minority dealers. And I, I, I wanna make that distinction because uh, sometimes I think that we can get a little short-sighted if it was just about representation. It needs to be a successful representation. Well, Mari, before you jump back in, I just wanna yeah. congratulate uh, TLMODA, Robert Hatchett, your diversity yeah. director yeah. For, yeah, for the Diversity Advocacy Award uh, that was just presented at the 40th anniversary of NAMAD celebration. Yes. Robert's been a great partner and has actually, you know what's great, I think when well, you know, and I'm looking at John, and I've known John now a little longer than I've known both of you, but um, my own heart, this is the, a Jack heart, which matches up with Toyota's heart, is that every person associated with our brand wins at the same speed. And what I mean by that is a guy like Robert, who's a partner, we want him to win at the same speed that we win. If it's a Toyota dealer, same speed. Lexus mm -hmm. dealer, same speed a partner, a supplier, you, automotive news. The goal is should be, at least, and this is my own heart, is that we all are looking out for one another such that somebody doesn't win at the expense of someone else. You win together. Hmm. It's not one person raising while somebody else, you know, no increase and decrease. No, we all go together. And I think that's what you're seeing out of our partnership, not only with NAMAD and TMODA, but with every single Toyota and Lexus dealer. What a concept. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's it is it's not only the concept, but it's something that I believe in with my whole heart that I, yeah. we can if we can truly 
look at every single person as the most important person in our life for that, that time. That's right now, you three men right there, you're most important to me, right? Because that's what we're having a relationship. How else, what else can we do? That's the energy you give off every time I see you, Jack. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Brian. Um, so I wanted to um, um, ask back to manufacturing. Um, inventory has you know, been such a challenge for everybody throughout the industry. Um, recently, you had a briefing. Um, you're back up near what your pre-COVID capacity was, um, but the dealers are still um, short of vehicles. So although for some dealers, uh, <laughs> you need to have um, tight inventories, that means um, <laughs> better prices <laughs> um, for them. Um, but do you, how do you... How, how do you, long do you anticipate, will it take for stocks to go back up? The, of course, the supply chain is very challenged right now. Well, at the speed we're selling them, I'm having a tough time building up my inventory too far. They're selling them so fast. And, mm -hmm. and that's, a, that's the truth. Um, we keep outselling our new sales plan. Um, and that, uh, I'll take that problem any single day of the week. Um, what we've seen is we were able to, last month in October, for example, we were able to uh, not only exceed our adjusted uh, uh, sales number, you know, but we were able to exceed last year and our pre-COVID sales objective. So when you look at where we were, and at the same time, we were able to increase inventory across Toyota and Lexus by 35,000 units. So what we've been able to do, and I, and I gotta tell you, I gotta stop, and I have to have a complete shout out to anybody who works on any production line for any company. Every single plant, I don't care what brand you are, I wanna thank you because you talk about, sometimes we talk about frontline workers. Frontline workers in the industry are those men and women who are working on every single supplier line and every production line, every plant. And, I, and, I, and I, it's important to call out everybody on this because to, to go to stop, stopping all of our um, production and then to start over. Hey, that's pretty amazing. So where we are right now at, at Toyota and Lexus, we're at really at 110% capacity or maximum. I mean, that's all our overtime, that's weekends to continue to produce exactly what our dealers are asking for. To specifically answer your question, I don't see us getting back to what we were from a pre-COVID stage until probably in the March and April timeframe of next year. I think it'll take us that long. And that's if we only hit the current sales objective, if we continue to exceed by this seven to 10% we have been for the last three months, it may take us a little longer. I, I wanna follow up on o Omari's question. Jack, is, is the lower inventory maybe something good for the industry? As you mentioned, you're getting maybe not full pricing, but almost your retailers are making record profits. This is true throughout the industry almost makes me wonder if the industry's been running on too much inventory. It's always gonna come down to throughput, right? It's what the dealership feels as the, the throughput and the most, the most advan advantageous inventory position for the end guest. I mean, we always say the CEO of this business is every single buyer. And I think it's important that we don't lose sight of that. So to be able to give them the most choice, we still have that right balance between what's too, What's one too few and two too many? As you know, Toyota has always been probably the most lean in our inventory in the whole industry. That's something we believe in and we will continue to do so. We were just on with our National Dealer Council for Toyota yesterday. I have the Lexus National Dealer Council meeting today. And in both cases, they're still asking us. They're saying, hey, yes, we like the profits, but we, 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 we have, you know, 
we still losing a little business because we don't have as many choices as the consumer needs. So our goal is to thread that needle to make that right amount, you know, to, to, to just that right balance. And I will say one, I guess one more po uh, positive that we've seen in this is not only has the industry from an incentive point been very under control, but what I'm proud of is for Toyota is we've been amongst all the major automakers, we have still the least incentive spend in the entire industry. And that's for every single month of 2020. And I'm proud of that because it's showing the strength of the Toyota product and the strength of our Toyota Lexus dealers. Jack, I have a uh, switch gears a little bit here. The Koreans, uh, the Korean brands, Hyundai, Kia, are coming on like gangbusters. There was a time when every sedan, SUV, car was benchmarked against Toyota Lexus. But now we're seeing increased quality surveys from Kia, Hyundai. What impact have they had on your forward thinking? And um, how do you, they offer a lot, a lot of bang for the buck. How do you plan to compete with them 10, 20 years from now? Right now you're on top still, but they're coming on like gangbusters. What's your strategy for the Koreans? My strategy is bring it, baby, because you know what? I think what the best part of this industry is, is every single time you have a new competitor that does well, it makes everybody get better. That's true. And I would rather see healthy uh, brands across the industry because in the end, the customer wins. And when customers win, dealers win. When dealers win, we win because that's how it has to be. And you have to start with a guest in mind. So for Kia and Hyundai, you know, I commend them. And, I, and I've, I, you know, listen, you always check out your competition. Right. They're making great products, but so is Ford and Honda and all these other companies. You know, and so the fact is, I don't think it changes us at all. Because our focus is about listening to our dealers who tell us about the customer. And we do get in delivering on that. And if Hyundai and Kia happen to do that, and they pick up the speed, it, it, it's simply making us define and refine all of our processes, but it actually refines our listening skills to the dealer. And the dealer will listen the best to the customer. And that's really what it is. So I'm actually proud of Kia and Hyundai, glad for them. Um, it just makes us all better. Yeah. On, the, on that competitive front, um, uh, Toyota has uh, been really committed to um, hybridization of its vehicles. And um, one vehicle I'm really interested in checking out is the RAV4 Prime. And um, <laughs> and uh, one thing I am um, you know wanted to ask is, um, so we have the Prius Prime, we have RAV4 Prime. Is that Prime going to expand to the rest of the Toyota lineup? Could we see a Corolla Prime? Could we see a Sequoia Prime? <laughs> well, wow, you're getting there. If you want to keep going. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, from the Prime standpoint, um, really appreciate uh, your recognition of the RAV Prime. I think what's happening is you've seen um, – across the country, it's a significantly high demand. We cannot, you know, we cannot reach that demand yet. We cannot supply that, that demand yet, but we're, but we're working on it and um, it's positive. When it comes to electrification, I think that we have to look at through our eyes is significantly different than I think you hear from most manufacturers. What you see from most is it's a, it's a, it's a full switch from the ICE and you know uh, internal combustion engine straight to something, right? And most of those people are making a jump into BEVs or battery electric only. Well, I sit here before you and, and you three men are um, extremely knowledgeable. You get to talk to everybody from the industry. You get to make a decision of what you think is the right way to go. But I would tell you the way that Toyota's is vision is, and I agree with it, and it doesn't matter if it's Toyota or Lexus is, we're gonna have ICE, 
we're going to have hybrid going forward. We're going to have the plug-in uh, hybrid, prime. We're going to have fuel cell, and we're going to have electric. The question is why? Why are we going into every one of these? Well, we've been the, arguably the most successful in both the ICE and hybrid. I mean, we still have still more hybrids than, or in electrified vehicles than the rest of the industry combined. So we know we've done a great job to start. Plug-in expansion, Hi, uh, fuel cell, number one, but it's tiny. And then you say, yeah, well, Jack, well, what about electric? Well, we're not there yet because we don't see the customers quite there yet. We do see them. When you look at 99% of the business is in non-electric vehicles. And that's where we're still focused on. As that expands, you'll see Toyota expanded it. So whether it's PHV, which you're asking for, and quite honestly, Omari, we, 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 we could put PHV or a prime into almost any single model. But remember our commitment. Our 2025 will have an electrified option of every single vehicle that we offer, period, end of story. And you also got to look at what does that mean? What is the end, what's the further goal? And that's the commitment we made to 2050 to reduce carbon, uh, you know, the, the footprint by 90% from where we started in 2010. 90% reduction. And you're going to see a lot of that coming through our electric, uh, the full battery electric, as well as the fuel cell uh, expansion. So I'm excited to say that I'm with a company that's going to continue to invest in each of these so that the guest wins. Jack, let's talk pickups a minute. Toyota is extremely successful in the smaller pickups with the Tacoma. You dominate the segment. All kinds of competitors have come in. It's only grown the segment. You have not lost your number one position. But when you get to the full-size segment, as you know, with the Tundra, you haven't quite cracked the code. Can you, or have you just found your natural level of market acceptance? We can grow, uh, but I got to tell you, it's kind of like us with our Camry or our RAV4, number one selling sedan, number one selling SUV. Hey, that F-Series, what's, what's it been, like 712 years since they not been number one in, in, in trucks? I mean, it's something around there. And then what they found that niche and that cruising altitude and production levels to sustain that. And we, while we haven't, and that's never been our intention, our intention has been to grow. And I think that's what you'll see out of our next generation Tundra. Um, and we will grow it. Will we grow it to F-150? No, I'm not even going to try to take that one on. And I'm, I'm glad you're not going to ask me to, to try to do so. But I do believe there's a significant amount of buyers who are both in Tacomas now who would like to see a Tundra or Tundra owners who would like to see it. And I do think it's going to be really interesting because I've been able to touch, feel, see, drive the new one. No, I'm not ready to make any announcements yet. But I will say it's it um, it blows me away with what we've been able to do and will, uh, I think, completely change the um, perception of a lot of those buyers who are kind of on the fence trying to figure out what they want to do in the truck space. I think you're going to see a significant number of those, we'll call them independents, uh, checking out Tundra. Jack, with the change of administrations, uh, what impact do you see that having on the auto industry as it relates to future technologies, uh, solar, um, you know, it, it, your hydrogen, um, your hydrogen fuel goals. What impact do you think that the uh, Biden administration will have on uh, on your future goals? You know, I'm not sure that it's clear yet. <laughs> there's a lot of things not clear yet, you know, and I think there's still a little bit of what is going to happen. I think there's been, you know, I think when it comes to candidates, you know, those who are candidating and uh, running for something may be 
their words can change a little bit as they are then governing, right? I mean, I think there's a there's a the, the campaigner uh, versus the, uh, the the governor. You know, the the governing. And right. what I reason I share that is I don't really know. I will say this: Toyota has continued to make a commitment to you know build where we sell, and we continue to build our footprint in the U.S. or North America in total. And I think that what we've got to be ready for is expansion. What I hope the administration would do would be is to see the value in hydrogen fuel cell, hydrogen creation, hydrogen fuel cell to be able to help us clean the air faster, right? I mean, I think that one of the great things about the Mirai is you can use, you know, hydrogen can be created from waste. You can literally reduce waste to produce hydrogen to come into our vehicle and produce zero emissions. That's huge. And when we can push that and see more infrastructure, but without infrastructure, it really limits the ability for the expansion of the fuel cell business. I do also think though, that the industry as a total, if you're in Michigan, you know, you're, you're and what, and what, and what uh, the, uh, all the domestics have done is they started to, to diversify, but you still have what's millions of trucks being sold that aren't all being run on electric. So how are you? How is the how is the new administration going to be able to look and kind of thread that needle to keep everybody happy Correct. and the entire guest winning? Because in the end of this, I'm going to go back to the same thing I said. The CEO of the country is the customers, is the guests. I don't care if it's an election or economically. And I'm hopeful that if you're whether in the House, or you're the Senate, or you're the president, the people can start to figure out, can we do a better job of listening instead of speaking? I just think that the whole country needs a lot of lessons on listening better, maybe talking a little less. It's kind of like, in, if you haven't seen Hamilton, you got to see the, I love the, the whole song, you know, uh, talk less, smile more. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great, like, how about we smile more and talk a little less? And that's what I hope happens in the total country. And, you know, I'm afraid to say that's the perfect note to end this show on. <laughs> Smile more. We're run out of time here, I'm afraid, Jack. But thanks so much for being on the show again. My pleasure. Anytime. I love being with all three of you. Gentlemen, it's going to be a great close to this year. Yeah, Brian, Omari, great to have you guys back on the show, too. Great. Thank you. Thank okay. you. See you all later. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode.